This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law. With 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melvin Law won't back down. And our crime prevention friends who worry less with crime prevention security systems by preventing package theft with their doorbell camera. You might want to contact them today at cpss.net. And of course, when you check the mugshots out, that's 45,000 people do a month on the wardscottfiles.com website. Remember, they're brought to you by the law office, Maurice T. McDaniel in High Springs, Florida, our country lawyer friend. And if you need help, he's there to help you. He's been a deputy sheriff in the past. He's also a lawyer and he's also a farmer. So he has a lot of uh, uh, hats he wears very, very well. We appreciate all the support we get for the Ward Scott Files. Appreciate the sponsors and we appreciate the fine guests that contact us as yesterday from across the nation. That was a very uh, illuminating discussion yesterday uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Josh Umber, who talked for an hour. How often do you get a chance to talk for an hour with a medical doctor about the practice of medicine and the profession of medicine? Very, very solemnly. They're usually very busy. Uh, very few times will you, the lay person, as we say, uh, get a chance to talk to a doctor for an hour about anything that's on your mind. So. Uh, we offered you that opportunity yesterday, and we have, of course, got that archived at wordscottfiles.com, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, TuneIn Radio, uh, YouTube. I run out of fingers and toes here, so it's a lot of places. I uh, suggest you check into it, and, uh, you know, it's a very interesting conversation. Uh, those conversations are arranged by a national booking agency that pays attention to the Wordscott Files. And we're very pleased and honored to be in their radar, if you will. You know, I, I've been looking at um, what's been going on, as you have, I'm sure, in uh, the culture, both locally, uh, statewide, and nationally. And, of course, statewide, we are really a barometer for the nation. Uh, we've got a very, very uh, good governor, in the opinion of many, uh, who think maybe he's the best governor we've ever had. And then we have the Democrats who... Um, as someone laughed the other day when I suggested that a gentleman's wife who didn't like DeSantis uh, be told to go to her room. I really, I really meant it. Um, by that, I mean so many people make opinions, profound opinions with all kinds of misinformation or shallow opinions or understandings or visceral reactions, and they can vote. And they, they, they think they know what they're voting for. So uh, you know, we try to counter that a little bit by providing you with a little more in-depth information. 
but I don't know how much you can actually change people. He won't, this gentleman won't change her. Uh, this won't happen. So what you do in politics is you go looking for the people of like mind and you get them together so that they provide a force all too often. If you don't do that, why they are separated into groups. They don't know about each other. And they, that's why we ask so many of you to spread the word on the show, because there's still people who avidly listen to me on the radio. Don't worry. I am right now. And the only way we can counter that is by you spreading it among your friends, your network. We boost whenever they allow us to boost. They won't allow us to boost anything political. Uh, so we try to get the word out there to help you understand another point of view or perhaps a, a point of view that is a little more in depth than the ones you may be getting somewhere else. But in terms of changing people, we're not we're not really naive about that. You uh, don't change people. There's a there's a, I've learned from being in the, uh, the professor business, if you will, that um, there's a small open minded subset in any group that you really can change. There'll be those who are with you and those who are against you, and they're not going to change much. But there is a group in the middle albeit maybe a, just a sliver, just a small group that you may actually appeal to with reason, rationale, logic, supporting documents and information for them to discern. And they will make up their minds and they will actually change their opinion or wait to form their opinion. And that can be a very, very important group of people in any political situation or not just political situation. Uh, take a look at churches, for example. A friend of mine once wrote a very, very good poem, John Charty, who was the poet editor of Satter Review, immensely knowledgeable man who by, by faith, I believe, was a practicing Roman Catholic, but also by poet was a divorced of any secular view of, of, of the spiritual world. And he wrote a, a little one-line poem one time. I think I remembered it. If you can beg the money, this is back in the days when we had payphones, if you can make the money, uh, dial God. And if a creed answers, hang up. And what he means by that is that uh, if you take a look at the churches, another way to look at it is the more adjectives in front of them than the, the noun Christ, for example, if you're dealing with a Christian church, the more adjectives in front modifying that noun, the more subdivided the spirit is into some sort of group that hears what it wants to hear and sees what it wants to see in the Bible. Because as it was pointed out to me by one of my very good minister friends, an old country preacher, anything's in the Bible that you need. You can find anything in there to support your point of view you want to find. It's all there. Just pick it out of context, remove it re from the story and don't take it into consideration in its context. And, and you can use it and you can quote it and it becomes scripture and you can justify. So we have everything from snake handlers to first, second, third, uh, southern, northern, western, eastern Baptists and all the above, the orthodox, the unorthodox, the uh, you name it. And it's all encapsulated in uh, Mr. Charty's one line poem. If you can beg the money, a dial God. And if a creed answers, hang up. And a creed is a belief, a particular a way of looking at, so you've got, you've got lenses on, you've got filters on, and you can only see the spiritual world uh, the way those particular dogmatic uh, 
glasses want you to see it. It's very, I never forget it. He was a very good friend of mine, a very, very huge intellect and a wonderful Italian who was a, a very energetic. I suggest he had a lot of limericks for children, which are very uh, intelligent, uh, well-written limericks. And uh, just one of those super people that is, of course, no longer with us, has passed a number of years ago. But I had the great privilege to be in the personal company of many, many times and to learn a great deal from. So we have this situation going on in this country right now where everything is fragmented and broken up uh, and we, we don't really relate to each other uh, except a very, very small, minor group of open-minded people, uh, perhaps, and they may not be able to make a difference. And then, of course, in the middle of that, well, those people who are the professional political handlers understand this. They know how to create the narrative, which Obama started working away at feverishly, hiring writers to create a narrative, which was then pumped out to the uh, uh, gullible media uh, that uh, created and spun. And people have asked me, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later in the show, will Hillary ever be brought to? Yes, yeah, but it, it's going to take a long, long time. She may have already passed into the great periodic chart in the sky by the time we get to the bottom of all the stuff she was pulling. And, uh, but it's beginning to come unravel. And this guy, Durham's not going to go away. You know, he's the special prosecutor. He's going to be there. Um, Biden's not going to be able to knock him off a pedestal. So it's going to be interesting, but it may take quite a while to do. Okay. Just, you're just going to have to be, just as the truth about a a voter beep is going to take quite a while to uh, reveal. And the, the, the issue is whether or not it can be done in time to actually make a, a fair and open process in the upcoming uh, elections. That will be, remain to be seen. So we really uh, are chipping away and trying to do our part in helping you understand what's going on. So we, and, and we, I want to begin just with a, some, a, a local um, a story, which I've been following, haven't talked about much. Um, but it has to do with law enforcement. It has to do with the sheriff's office. I've been watching the, the Police Benevolent Association. I know a lot of those guys. Um, and I know what they're, try- they're, they're, what they're trying to do in terms of this public um, presentation of their point of view. However, that was very, very well addressed by uh, a man by the name of Robert Rush. I don't know if you all know who Robert Rush is. He's a fine lawyer. He is um, um, located downtown. He he um, he he keeps a, a watch on community activities. And he maybe you don't know about this opinion piece, small opinion piece that the Gainesville Sun set printed the other day. And it, it sums up a lot of the things that I've been concerned about just in sitting on the sidelines watching this uh, uh, discussion, if you will. Uh, back and forth between the sheriff and uh, the president of the Police Benevolent Association. So I've got a little bit of inside information on it. But let me put it to you this way. It's still a, a developing story. But uh, Mr. Rush said the following. He said it when Police Benevolent Association chapter, President Jody Branneman accused Alachua County Sheriff Close Watson Jr. of unfair labor practices and not negotiating in good faith. Uh, Mr. Rush says he found it very hard to believe. And because of one thing I noticed right away is uh, Brenneman's um, uh, opinion uh, did not contain any specific grievances. 
I've gone to some uh, uh, effort to find out what those grievances are. And the, the one I'm right now told is kind of the sticking point has to do with automobiles. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but uh, lots of employees are, are, are in, get somehow, some way, they get permission to take their uh, government car home. Uh, the most famous abuse of this is, comes, uh, has to do with Mark Sexton, who is currently and still is and was then the public information officer for Alachua County. When Randy Reed was the uh, county manager, he uh, and Mark Sexton was the public information officer. Mark Sexton, evidently, came, you know, that was his defense anyway, as he had been given permission by Randy Reed, permission. I don't know that there was a policy. And this is the thing that we're gonna be talking about here, that, that he would have been given the permission to take his county car home, Mark Sexton. Well, Mark Sexton not only took the county car home, he took it to Miami where he had an accident. And one of the funniest call-ins we ever had on the call-in show when I was on the radio, a concerned a man who wanted to make sure he understood this and he was obviously a country gentleman. I can imitate him exactly, which I'll do, because I, I think we recorded the man, but I can't find the recording. But the phone rang and we answered it. And he said to us, he asked the question to us in the radio studio about Mark Sexton. He says, is that the guy that took the county car to Miami and ran it over the transvestite? Well, you can imagine, we fell out of our chairs with laughter. And of course, we recorded that and we played it. And not long after, Mark Sexton beseeched us to stop playing it because after all, he said, I have a reputation and I really wasn't in the wrong and I was able to take the car and da-da-da-da-da. And, and eventually the county, whatever, backed off and didn't, I don't know where they were going to go with it, fire him or whatever, but he pled, you know, that he had permission to do it. Uh, so we uh, we stopped playing the thing. I, did, I wanted to keep playing it, but... Um, you know, one of the other guys says, oh, well, you know, I don't, anyway, we, we stopped playing it, but it's out there somewhere. <laughs> so this is the issue, not as dramatic as it is with Mark Sexton, but this is the issue with the sheriff's automobiles. Now, as I understand it, there are 50 sheriff deputies who don't, do not live. Now, um, this all stands, the numbers and all that can be corrected. I'm just speaking now from a, a primary uh, investigation of this, although I know that the, what I'm talking about is so, I just don't know if it's 50 or 51 or 49 or whatever, um, deputies, sheriffs, deputies who take their car outside the county. And that it's my understanding that the PBA wants this to be the case for, they can take it to any county that's contiguous to this county. So the guy could live in any of the counties that is, there are any, that is, that's any, a singular, any of the counties that is singular, that is contiguous to this, I mean, touching our county. So what counties, Union, um, Levy, Gilchrist, Marion, uh, Putnam, uh, those counties, these guys could live in and be sheriff's deputies in Alachua County Sheriff's deputies and have an Alachua County Sheriff deputy car parked in front of their house in Putnam County if they live there or parked in front of their house in Gilchrist County if they live there. 
And you, the taxpayer, have paid the gas for them to go to and from. Now, the other question that comes up, which they can now currently do, which I understand the sheriff says that doesn't make any sense. We need to stop that. Well, they, 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 the, 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 the unsuspecting citizen is taking a look at that car. This is the whole idea behind this, that you could take your uh, car home if you lived in Alachua County, because let's say that that car is parked in front of your house and you live in Alachua County. The average Joe, if he needed help, would realize, geez, there's a deputy right there. He lives there. There's his car, this, that, one, another. So that, I think that was the original intent behind it. But what good does it do for that car to be parked in Marion County when that guy has no arrest powers? Uh, the, the citizen in Marion County doesn't does need to be going uh, to, to that uh, car because that sheriff is not the sheriff. Thomas Watson Jr., not the sheriff of Alachua County. And the Alachua County Sheriff's car parked in Marion County or Gilchrist can't do you any good. That's where we are right now. There's about 50 of those guys who do that. Now, the question is, why should you be able to do that? And the other issue is, and I don't know where we're going to be able to get with this, because you see, Black Lives Matter, which I'm going to get into in a moment, uh, has uh, so badly, uh, 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 and we're going to get into the history of this and all, because I've got my show, I'll tell you the title of my show in a minute, but, but Black Lives Matter has ruined the police profession. Uh, it has actually made them targets. Uh, they, they have been shot at by Black Lives Matter. Uh, Black Lives Matter, BLM, which has a black mayor in Washington, D.C., is, is a Black Lives Matter uh, 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 quadrangle there if you, with the BLM painted in big letters on the patio in D.C. And this organization, which I'm going to get into, has turned out to be just as crooked as can be. The top dogs have been taking the money for themselves. You know, it's, you know, we've got we still got Corrine Brown, who has been found by a federal court to be a crook name on the regional transit system building here in Gainesville, liberal Gainesville, uh, the, the, the shining city by the sea that was populated by the UFO that landed in 1947 and dumped out the DNA for these freaks. Well, that her name is a, a, you know, a found by the not me, found by the federal courts to be a crook name on the side of the building, the public transit building, even after the regional transit advisory committee to the county, to the city commission uh, has, has said, take it down. And of course, the boy named Lauren doesn't even hear it. And why didn't he hear it? He doesn't hear it for political reasons. You know, so they politicized even the, the poor old building out there. So here we are, we've got to draw a line somewhere. And where do you draw the line? Do you let these guys take these cars um, out of the county, um, hopefully not to Miami to run it over a transvestite, but, but at least it's not going to do any good for the Joe Q public if uh, in Marion or Gilchrist or, uh, or Union or any of those counties, if, if um, it's got a lot of county on the side of it. So the other thing is a lot of our sheriff deputies don't live in a lot county. Now, wouldn't you think it would be helpful if this is back to the whole concept of the cop on the beat, which goes back and forth, you know, the, the old idea of the guy with the nightstick walking the beat is not, you know, that's not a bad idea. He gets to know everybody. He gets to know the informants. He gets to know the bad guys. Uh, you know, this is the concept we have with the school resource officer. 
we put a school resource officer at these schools and that guy knows stuff that, you know, nobody else would know because the kids come to trust him if he's a good one. And they talk to him and tell him, well, I'm on Crime Stoppers right now board. And I can tell you, we've got an instance of that already. And I can't tell you publicly what it is, but it is alarming. Okay. It is alarming what this school resource officer was told by one of the students. It's not out in the public. We don't want it out in the public because it would really scare the bejesus out of you. So these, this is the concept. So can't we rein in? Well, you know why these guys, to look at it from their point of view, why they work in this county but live in another? So many people do. Uh, when Newberry, for example, uh, was being held to this a concurrency formula, and they were, they, were, they were not allowed to develop until the road capacity could handle the development, and the development was measured by how many cars went through Newberry. Well, what was unfair about that is the cars were coming from the adjacent county where people were coming in, uh, from where they could afford to live. They were coming to Elantra County to work. They were coming here to Shands, basically the big hospital businesses. But they didn't live here because they couldn't afford to live here. So I can understand why some of these sheriff's deputies would live in another county because they can't afford to live in the very county they protect. But it doesn't mean, does it or does it, that they should be able to take the county car home or wherever Mark Sexton ended up taking his to Miami where he ran it over the transvestite, so according to the caller. Well, uh, you know, that's, that, that's not been brought up in anything uh, that uh, uh, Brannaman has said is nowhere. Uh, it's not, and, and by the way, these negotiations are going to be taking place tomorrow. They're open to the public. You can go down there and listen to the back and forth. Yours truly may do that and uh, determine for yourself what's going on. But to rely on the Gainesville sunset and to hear um, the, the, the uh, PBA president not bring up one important uh, issue here that I think affects all of us really makes your head scratch. And, and, and Robert Rush says that he knows that uh, Watson is an advocate for law enforcement. Uh, Clovis Watson Jr. was started as a patrol officer in Alachua over 30 years ago. Uh, when I first uh, came up and before he was the city manager, he was in a, in, a, in a patrol car. And the reason he became the city manager is because the lefties here thought they could, they'd fired three or four city managers because, you know, they didn't do what the lefties, uh, the Tamara Robbins and those people wanted, and the Ross Hydens and those people wanted um, them to take the city in that direction. They were anti-growth people. And so, so they kept firing these managers because the managers kept telling them something they didn't want to hear. So they thought they would get Watson since he was already on the payroll as a city deputy uh, cheaply, and he could get on there and make him, they make him the city manager, and then he'd do gratefully what they told him to do. And James Lewis was the pivotal city commissioner on that. James Lewis initially argued that uh, Clovis Watson Jr. wasn't prepared to be the city manager, had no training to be it. But, you know, the liberals outnumbered James Lewis, who was the best city commissioner the city of Alachua has ever had, and been on, he was served for 40 years. He's responsible for all the infrastructure here uh, that now accommodates the growth uh, painlessly. So uh, they thought they'd oh, outvote James Lewis, and James Lewis really voted 
uh, it's not to, for them not to hire Clovis Watson Jr., but they did hire him. And the minute that he hired him, within, within a month, James Lewis, is, and this is why he was such a good politician, he immediately changed his mind and said, hey, wait a minute, this guy has got ability. This guy's got talent. This guy can run the city. And James Lewis became Clovis Watson Jr.'s strongest advocate. Now, that's nowhere in any of the press clippings that you see. You're talking to institutional memory here that knows these stories. Now, he held every job, therefore, in the city of Alachua, from police chief to assistant chief, and then he became the city manager, which I just disclosed to you. And he led that city with over 120 employees, including the police department. Now, let me just tell you a little background about Watson, which I know. He never had anything, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I, I'm very close to the heartbeat of the city, or was at that time, he never had anything but a 5-0 vote for him, his job performance. A 5-0 vote for his job performance and really was paid handsomely more than he expected to be paid. And they kept saying, listen, you're worth it. Because he was able to steer that city through all the Mike Byerly and uh, Captain... Hutchison, the communist commissioner, all the uh, P. Green underhand, all those people who are at war with the city of Alachua because they were going to, how dare they uh, put uh, Walmart, how dare they put these distribution centers out there without their approval. And they cooked up water issues and all that to try to stop it. And Watson negotiated his way through that. Uh, uh, we had at one time uh, Commissioner Burgess, a black mayor, female who stuck right in there, you know, so there was some real deaf leadership issues that went on there that were very delicate, that took a lot of calmness, uh, that took a lot of, of, of courage and stability to negotiate. And uh, this is, um, uh, you know, then he went on to be a legislator, which is, of course, was kind of a lame duck because he was a Democrat in the Republican legislature, but he got along with Chuck Clemens and those guys very, very well. They'd known him since childhood. So, uh, this is none of this is in the story yet, and I've been holding back on it. But when uh, Robert Rush put this in the paper, I thought I would comment on it at least and give you a little bit more of the background of it. Uh, our tax base in the city of Alachua is solid. Uh, we're growing. Uh, this has all been set up by the, the days when uh, Clovis Watson Jr. was the city manager. I was the chair of the Economic Development Committee. I, with my committee, rewrote the comprehensive plan for. Uh, 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 economic element of the comprehensive plan for the city of Alachua to accommodate all the things that are coming here now. And, 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 and we don't want to step out front and, and um, you know, pound our chest about it. This is just something that we thought needed to be done. I was very, very instrumental in bringing the school here, the Biotech Center of Santa Fe. Uh, Clovis Watson Jr. and I were the ones that did that. Basically, we did it. Uh, we started it together. Of course, we had help after that. We had generous donation from Chuck Perry. We had the support of Jackson Sasser. Uh, we had the support of, of uh, Bruce Delaney, who was also a member, a member of my uh, committee that um, the head of uh, Dollar General was on my committee um, that I was a chair of. I mean, we got things done. And I can, I can just tell you that this whole story uh, with the police benevolent association, I'm not taking any sides in it. I'm just sitting back and watching it, but I do know that there's some things that haven't come out yet that seem to make sense to me. 
this idea of taking cars home. Uh, where's home? If your home is in Alachua County, I think what Watson has countered with is that, yeah, if you live in Alachua County, you can take your car home, your, your, your sheriff car, because you live here. And by people seeing it when you're not on duty, you'll nevertheless be able to help if you're called into action. But if you live outside the county, Alachua County Sheriff on the side of the car in Bobby Schultz's county, uh, for example, uh, is not going to help anybody. So uh, there you are. I'm, I'm waiting for that side out uh, to come out. And so uh, Mr. Rush concludes his opinion piece with, so with skepticism, I decided to research what actual offers made in negotiating were made, uh, made in negotiating with the, with the union. And those are yet to be disclosed. Those are going to be negotiated. So we're going to, we're going to take a look and I'll try to do a follow-up story with you on this um, as, as it develops, because you see the County Commission of Alachua County from the time I've been covering this as a talk show host has never liked the sheriffs. Okay, the, the sheriff Darnell had to go at least once, I think maybe twice to Tallahassee to appeal the, the meddling in the budget that uh, the county commission did. Um, and, and, and the meddling got so bad with uh, 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 Chestnut, Cynthia Chestnut, she, this is how we got Sue Baird to replace Cynthia Chestnut. Uh, and yours truly saw this opportunity and engineered this from the very beginning because I saw what was going on. And the, the, the sheriff came with her entire staff of, uh, of, of she has her own, you know, uh, lawyer and economist. They all, those sheriffs do, and came to present her argument for her budget. And Chestnut made her wait for seven hours seven hours before she came to the podium to present her argument. You don't do that to the sheriff. That's a constitutional officer, okay? You don't do that, but Chestnut did it. And of course, Weather Vane Lee went along with it and all the weak need stuff that he was capable of doing. And, and just to get along, which he, I gotta hand it to him, he did, that Weather Vane he got along. I mean, they, they, they knew he wasn't any threat, so they kept putting him in there. And occasionally he'd get something done, but he never got much done until we helped him get the fairgrounds. So uh, that's, the way, that's the way they treat. Same with Steve Ulrich. When I was running back in the early 2000s, Steve Ulrich called me. And, and, and we had a, a, quite a discussion about this. The, you know, basically what he was doing was asking me if I got to be a commissioner, was I going to micromanage his budget? And, and, you know, where was I coming from? And I assured him, and I was not one of these guys like Byerly. Byerly actually hated, and we've got it on tape, Byerly actually hated when the paper gave the sheriff more ink than they gave, uh, they gave him, Mike Byerly. When Darnell got more articles in favor of her, so to speak, and particularly in Byerly's mind, uh, uh, Byerly hated it and, so, and said so in the meetings before the meetings where they cooked the books and decided on how they were going to vote. Wink, wink, but actually didn't take an official quote unquote vote. We call these the meetings before the meetings. And uh, that's why we call the original version of the Ward Scott files, and I have to do the beep because it's the F word, the Ward Scott beep files, 
because we thought that was a beat to the public trust whenever these guys would make up their minds before the public meetings. They had already made up their minds in the meeting before the meeting that they weren't going to give the sheriff any time, okay? Uh, that we heard. And then the sheriff didn't know it. The sheriff didn't know it. And when I told the sheriff, listen, sheriff, they made up your, their minds. When you were sitting out there cooling your heels for seven hours, they'd already decided they were going to let you cool your heels, okay? And when she finally came to the podium, Weathervane Lee, the chair, said, well, we've already decided that. That's how we stumbled. His mumbling is what put the crack in the door that allow us to realize, my God, where? And the sheriff even asked it. Sheriff Darnell even asked it. What do you mean you've already decided it? There's been no public discussion of this. And Weathervane stumbled around and, you know, fell flat on his face and tried to backtrack and try to cover. Well, <laughs> Sound like an old two-cylinder Johnny John Deere uh, tractor. They used to go pop and pop pop and pop and pop and pop and pop and pop. That's the way the old Johnny Pop sounded. Once you crank that baby up by hand, you left her running all day long. So uh, I mean, that's what he sounded like. I laughed. I was sitting on the sidelines, listening pop 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 as he tried to explain to the sheriff why they'd already decided what they were going to do about her. But well, she said, "I've been sitting out here. I ain't heard no public discussion." And he pop 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 pop. And there was. And so, you know, yours truly here, I decided, what the heck's going on here? Somebody needs to look into this. And so we subpoenaed some stuff. And lo and behold, we found out that every one of those meetings is recorded, not by the, uh, the, the county commission people, but by the county clerk, Buddy Irby. And so they, you know, we requested them. There they were in uh, living black and white for anybody who could listen to hear I can't tell you how many hours of these meeting before the meeting tapes I listened to. And I was appalled. I was appalled. And we, you know, thanks to the Tea Party then and Lori Newsom and, 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 and Gonzalez and these people, Bruce Nelson, we put those things out as this for you to listen to. And thanks to John Starr, who put me on the radio and we put it out on there for you to listen to. Um, you know, it was the best show in town. It absolutely was the very best show in town because we didn't pull the punches and we were the only source of this information. I've tried to keep the torch as best I can, but I'm telling you, um, you know, it's a one man band here. We don't have a huge staff and a huge budget, but we got a big research team and you all help a lot. So I wanted to pass that along to you and give you a little bit of the background on what's going on here, much more than would meet your eye. I assure you that. Absolutely, I'll assure you of that. We're right back on the Word Scott Files. We run over a little bit here. We're going to thank our sponsors. I want to thank GTR, by the way. Um, they asked me yesterday how many years I've been a member. I don't know. I lost track of time at this point in my life, maybe 10, 15 years. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, they're on this RR construction. Now I'll, I'll say all this. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, 
on-the-spot dry cleaners, R&R construction, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! There was a rep named Corin Brown She had the biggest mouth around She thought she was the smartest rep in heels Well, she started up a non-profit And somehow made money off it And got involved in quite some dirty deals She's in the jailhouse now She's in the jailhouse now That's not the way a charity runs She won't be having fun She's in the jailhouse now I let you Don't put me in the slammer I only did what all the others do I thought my donors were trickable But the judge said that's despicable And then away the key he threw She's in the jailhouse now She's in the jailhouse now they locked the cell on poor Corinne This one she'll never win She's in the jailhouse now I let you
All right. Good morning. Good morning. Right back on the Ward Scott Files. We had a little longer than usual break there because uh, we um, had a little power glitch here. I'm just booting up this other computer here real quickly at um, the Ward Hog Command Center. And we flickered just long enough to uh, um, have to reboot. But I think we're back live now. I think production's telling me we're hot. Right, sir? Okay, we're all ready to go here, and I'm talking out how I am. So I don't think you even could tell it. Uh, we did take the opportunity to go ahead and play for you the <laughs> the, the popular, ever popular Corrine Brown. Um, and by the way, yes, uh, we were I'm looking here. Um, the, the budget here is a pretty big budget for this um, uh, county already. And the, the sheriff was actually, according to what I can find out, offered an educational component of $2,000 for a deputy to go back to school. Uh, that, that I, I, you know, I, I, I know Watson well enough to know that that would be one of his priorities because here's a guy who came from the, uh, from the projects in the city of Alachua, actually has that street named after him in that project area now, who done nothing but go to school. And I can tell you right now, because he studied writing with me, he can write damn well. I do not write his speeches, okay? People, many people thought I did that in the city of Lachua. But I call today's show really the, uh, the hornet's nest because what happens, what has happened here is um, the, the whole woke attitude that has been uh, it, it embraced by the news media and by the educational hierarchy and the... LGBTs and all these business, uh, uh, that whole thing, of course, for every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's just a matter of time, and that's now happened. And it's going to happen as strongly as the woke happened with its behavior in order to compensate and push back against that behavior. So now, of course, the woke is squawking. But according to, there's a, there's a fellow named Brian Mudd who, as a, as a news um, uh, radio 1290, uh, we ran across in our research that I thought I'd share with you because he's written a couple of pretty good observations about where we are. He calls it a tale of two entirely different worlds. And that's kind of where we are. And we're going to focus just on Florida, for example, and just this uh, Disney World fiasco. Of course, personally, let me interject my own opinion, which I've done quite often about Disney. I'm no fan of Disney. I remember the state before Disney. I remember if you want to talk about the environment and the ruination of the environment, you're looking at the single biggest factor in it, and that's Disney, in my humble opinion. I think a true, honest environmental research person would come probably pretty close to that same uh, um, conclusion. But um, uh, we got a... a, 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 a some research by Brian Mudd that says um, President Biden's approval rating um, um, is 37% um, approve of him, 55% disapprove of him. And it's, um, he's never had any good standing in this state, but it's still three points better than it was six weeks ago. And you have to remember that this DeSantis governor we have now barely, barely, barely got into office. And you have to remember what we would have if we had Gillum. My God, what a nightmare you would have. 
It would open the door to every woke thing you can imagine. It would be complete chaos. Uh, just trust me, you would, unless, of course, you're a Democrat and you're not going to listen. Um, we advertise this show as uh, not for liberals. And, of course, there's a couple of ways in which that works psychologically. If you tell somebody he can't do it, well, he'll turn around and do it. Uh, I publicly advertise this show. Uh, you can see it on Lotro Chronicle. Um, where we advertise that the Word Scott Files is not for liberals. And um, the liberals listen and know all the time what's going on in this show. And, and, and that's just the way their brains work. They, they, they basically want to figure out a way to uh, defame me, if they will, call me a racist or go attack my sponsors or you know something of that nature. Uh, they, they, want, they can't stand the fact that there's somebody pushing back against them. And so we, we can see this. We can trace it uh, in the polling that's done in the state of Florida. Um, the, uh, uh, the Florida Democrats, of course, they approve of Biden. You know, people tell me, oh, boy, we're just going to blow away this. We're going to take Congress. This, this. Don't, don't you believe that for a moment? You know, don't you believe that for a moment? It's not going to be a cakewalk if you even get it, because these people will do anything to win. And I just told you, for example, we're looking into this, we're researching this, in the city of Alachua election, and I checked with Newberry, and Newberry, they had no, practically no uh, absentee ballots, almost none. In the city of Alachua, we had 90 absentee ballots, okay? Two-thirds of them for the black minister. I think my initial opinion will be supported by further research that those absentee ballots were promoted by the Democrat Party. The Republican Party did nothing to speak of with absentee ballots, if anything. And Imagine on a local election, that could have been very, very scary. I think Potts was totally naive to that. Or well, whoever managed, I'm not saying, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to be wrong, but I don't think they thought of that. They banked on just being able to carry Turkey Creek and that would do it. Not if you've got these absentee ballots. Where are they coming from? They're coming from these Democrats. I am betting who know how to use that device and who constantly complain that, oh, any voter uh, 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 credentialing is really voter suppression. They're not going to change. They are not going to change. So are the independents going to help out? Well, you, know, you like to think they got common sense, but they're not all going to be Republican. Now, Brian Mudd has called this very more than passing strange. Um, he feels that the Democrat view of the country and the state is in an altered state of reality. It's, um, it, it's, it's, some people use the word delusional optically handicapped, however you want to say it. 
but it's definitely different. They can look at this very same event and see it entirely differently. And I'm going to get into that in a little more depth in a moment. Now, in News Radio 1290, Brian Mudd, he does bring up quite extensively our local story. And he calls it an illegal jailhouse voter registration scheme. Now, right now, I'm not going to get into the details of this, but we're pushing very hard to find out what really was said, what really was said to those inmates. And probably we're not going to be able, if we, well, here's where they are. The real statements are in the post-Miranda statements, and they are redacted in the information we get now. In that redacted information, in those post-Miranda statements, therein lies perhaps, probably, the truth of what T.J. Pichet said to these felons. Some of these guys were convicted felons on and on and on. And you know how that can's been kicked down the road and how that, bus is, uh, that buck has been uh, passed. So uh, five of the 10, according to Mudd, have cooperated with the uh, authorities, but he doesn't really know, nor does anyone else have a way of knowing until we get that redacted information unredacted, what that cooperation really consists of. So anything you've read in the newspaper is not, is not accurate beyond a certain point because those redacted comments have not been made public. But we do know that the votes were cast and counted, counted now from inmates who used absentee ballots to vote. And remember the storyline is that Voter B doesn't exist. It doesn't, in to any statistical level. Oh, really? Three or four vote difference in a race in Newberry. You got 90 absentee votes coming in in uh, city of Alachua, which, you know, could have been a difference maker. You've got all the Zuckerberg bucks that came in. 700000 to this, $700,000 of private money to a public election in this county. Now, imagine, and Mudd is thinking about this, imagine what we would know if these supervisors of elections actually supervised the voter registration rolls. They don't. They don't. They wait for a problem to happen. And here's the problem with that. Once the problem happens, it's happened. The vote's been cast. You don't take the vote back. So rather than being reactive, which they are, and they, they, get, they get kind of snitty about it if you accuse them of anything else. 
Barton got snitty with the reporter, just trying to do her job. You recall, we played that on the air. The Channel 20 reporter just going out to do the job. Barton irritated, reminded me so much of Dion McGraw. Same way, irritated, get out of my face, that type of thing. I've seen Cynthia Chestnut. Cynthia Chestnut threw Channel 20 out of her post-election affair the night she lost to Sue Bear. Tossed them out. Get out of my face. The Cynthia Chestnuts, the Bartons, the McGraws, appear to be only transparent when they're victorious. But if you try to discern some of the nuances, then they're irritated. So there you are. The story is growing. It's not going to go away. It's going to get bigger. I can tell you, for example, we haven't even begun, and this is a big a number, uh, to talk about um, sex offenders voting. And they're Voting are never, their, their voting are never restored. Never. So, a hornet's nest. You, you have kicked over a hornet's nest, okay? The woke people who have been, how shall I say it, sitting back, waiting for civility and a decorum, which is a fitting of adults, um, really finally have had enough. And I, I, I think that it reminds me that out of the dust comes a leader. Out of the sand, the whirlwind of the sand comes a leader. Okay? It seems we've got one, of course, not to my friend's wife, who should be sent to her room, but perhaps to my friend. Out of the dust um, sand of the whirlwind comes a leader. And in this case, it's the sand. He's not going to put up with this any longer. We're not going to let you wade in as a political entity when you're an entertainment organization who gets all kinds of tax breaks, all kinds of favors. Meanwhile, you've got Obama over here politicizing the IRS. You remember that? That woman took the fifth. Do you recall that? She took the fifth. She's still getting government uh, stipend. Um, that woman Obama used to go after the Tea Party. Do you remember? He weaponized the IRS. So now I, was, I picked up this article in the NPR. The, the woke world is trying to find a way to uh, counter U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell's opinion. The first thing they did was say unnecessarily that they did. They politicized it and said, oh, well, she's a Trump judge. As if, well, of course, what would you expect a Trump judge to do but to toss out the federal government's transportation mask mandate? Huh? What else would you expect? That's a Trump judge. Well, they do the same thing. Obama judge found that, you know, when the Obama judge finds in favor of the wokeness, oh boy, they all clamor for that. When a Trump judge finds 
against the wokeness, oh boy, they, that, they can't handle that. And so now uh, they're trying to say that uh, Mizell used one word to make her opinion, and that was the word sanitation. Um, the, uh, the administration argued that masks qualified, according to the NPR article here, as sanitation under the law, but Mizell disagreed. She, according to NPR, has a much narrower definition of the term that would exclude measures like face coverings. Now, then the NPR uses this term that I would never let my students use in a research paper. The NPR says legal experts say her interpretation missed the mark. Well, let's go look at all those experts and let's look at all the experts, not just the expert that agrees with your opinion because of political affiliation. Um, that is always going to be the case you have to look out for. So um, Mizell wrote in her opinion that wearing a mask cleans nothing. At most, it traps virus droplets, but it neither sanitizes the person wearing the mask nor sanitizes the conveyances. Well, that's not anything that I haven't heard already. Uh, I've heard that from many, many people that uh, that's, you know, still kind of come in your eyes, which is a big place. You know, I have seen some people double mask, if you will. They wear a mask and a shield. Well, I guess that would make a little more sense, maybe because with a mask, you're going to get it through the eyes and the membranes are going to go in and drain into the nostril, into the sinuses, into the lungs, et cetera, et cetera. So NPR is saying this to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. You guys had better argue through the Department of Justice, which is exactly what is happening now, against this finding by this Trump judge. Now, here's what's going to happen for that, I predict. You're going to have fights break out. I'm sorry, that's just human beings. They're going to be a group of the masked people. And already, anecdotally, people who are wearing a mask at this stage of the COVID pandemic are viewed as liberals. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. I didn't invent it. It's just something that I've seen and been told that, you know, oh man, you know, that must be a liberal wearing a mask. Um, unless it's some kind of compromising medical situation. That's understandable, perhaps. But uh, you're going to have these things happen on airplanes. Airplanes are so confused now because the judge said no. Biden, old Sleepy Joe himself, in two weeks was prepared to say no. But think about this. But because it came two weeks before Uncle Joe declared it. And by the way, somebody reminded me, a research member, team member reminded me that Churchill thought of originally Joseph Stalin as Uncle Joe. But then uh, the truth came out. So Uncle Joe, for this research team member, is an allusion, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N, not illusion, an allusion to old Uncle Joseph Stalin. So Uncle Joe Biden, Uncle a.k.a. Joseph Biden, perhaps, or Stalin, um, was going to decree it in two weeks, but because he didn't decree it, a Trump judge did, the hue and clamor is for the CDC to beseech the 
uh, DOJ, the Department of Justice, to challenge in court the cha- something was going to happen anyway in two weeks. This is the hornet's nest. This is pure and simple. The hornet's nest. You, there's nothing else you can call it. Well, that's just the beginning of the tip of it. There's so much more of it that we'll be talking about. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, a little look at what's going on with the arts in our community, which we're a big supporter of. Does that make me a liberal? Does that make me a conservative? I don't even think in those terms. So um, other people do, but it's uh, nothing I get up in the morning and think about wondering what I am. I don't, you know, I'm not in fluidity about that. Huh? Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.